Hey guys, can't wait to get into this episode. NBA playoffs started this weekend, so want to touch on that, but mainly want to talk about when will the city of Charlotte see its first professional championship. Y'all know the deal, I can't speak without my beak present. Drop that please. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Mind of Mike J podcast this week. I want to first say Happy Easter, everybody. Even though I'm going to be putting this out probably a day or two late, I just want to get that out there. Hope everybody is spending time with their family, getting time off on break or whatever it is that you do. But the one thing just starting out that we want to talk about, NBA playoffs just started this weekend And I'm very thankful because I find it to be really the only time during the NBA that I can really watch it. I I can't, I'm sorry, I cannot get into NBA regular season basketball. I just can't do it. Guys are taking nights off. We're not, guys aren't playing their hardest. You know, you got guys sitting out because they got, for whatever reason, we don't know. It's just... It, the intensity isn't there. It's just not what you really want to see. And then playoffs come around, and then all of a sudden you just get the impression the guys are playing for real. There's actually defense being played. I mean, how much? How many points were in the All-Star game? Not even the, the stuff that's supposed to be fun. What, they score like 400 points combined in the All-Star game? I mean, there's just literally no defense, no competitiveness at all in the NBA regular season. And I did touch on this in a previous episode, and I do agree, the NBA season is too long. 82 games just seems to be a really long time to sustain that level, that high of a level of basketball. And so guys, by default, are going to take nights off because they don't really get that time to rest. But whether they're going to actually shorten the season or not, I'm not sure. But in the meantime, it would definitely be nice In the meantime, it would definitely be nice to see some better basketball, but I just don't think you're going to see it. So, that being said, very excited for the start of the playoffs because we can actually see the competitive teams going at it. Since it is such a top-heavy league as it is, you're going to you can actually like see some games that you actually want to watch. Like yesterday when Cleveland played Indiana, that was probably one of the first games, uh, one of the first and only non-Hornets games all year that I've watched front to back. And it went, and it didn't disappoint. So I was glad for that. I'm kind of conflicted because, and let's be honest, does anybody really think the Warriors and the Cavaliers aren't going back to the finals again for the third straight year? It just seems like it, that's a foregone conclusion. So it's kind of hard to even get excited about the playoffs. I mean, you, you, it's it's fun to watch it shape up. But in the back of your mind, you're kind of like, yeah, this is all great, but we all know who's going to the NBA Finals. And I'm conf- I said I was conflicted because I don't know whether to appreciate the consistent excellence of the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers, or if, you know, it's just 
or part of part of me is excited to see that. Another part of me is just like, why am I watching? Like, why even watch this? Why even watch the first two rounds? Let's just skip to the NBA Finals. NBA basketball starts in October, and you don't really care to watch it until April, May, June. I mean that that's I mean really that's how I feel. And I, the more I thought about it, I just said, you know what? This is just the reality. And I've heard a lot of other people you know, kind of complain about it too, that it doesn't seem like the other teams are really getting a fair shake. But that's just the reality of the NBA. The it's it's a dynasty driven it's a dynasty driven league. You can tell the story of the NBA finals with two or three teams in pretty much every decade. I mean you think back to when you think back to the eighties when it was Celtics Lakers. And that's when, you know, the NBA really grew in popularity and kind of took off. And then you had the 90s, which was pretty much ran by Michael Jordan and the Bulls. The 2000s, outside of the Spurs and Lakers. Who was winning championships outside of the Spurs and Lakers? I'm asking that rhetorically because I know. But I feel like a lot of you casual fans probably couldn't tell me. Uh, I'll go ahead and help you out. If you, between the, between the years of 2000 and 2010, who was winning championships besides the Spurs and Lakers once after Jordan retired? If you remember the Detroit Pistons or the Miami Heat or the Celtics that kind of broke, that got in there and bucked the trend for a little bit, congratulations. You're probably a little bit more than a casual NBA fan. Because other than that, that's pretty much all there was to it. Kobe Bryant won all five of his rings during that time period. And the Spurs, for the most part, and the Spurs got, what, three in between there? So, you know, that's just... So really, what I'm, all I'm saying is that's just... That is just how it is. It's, it's kind of always been that way. And then, pretty much since then... It's been the last six, seven years or so, it's just whoever LeBron's playing for is is the story of the finals every year. So yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to see repeats. That's just how the NBA is. It's not really like other leagues, where it might be one team that gets there every now and then, but for the most part, you're seeing somebody different every year. NBA's pretty redundant. Now, is that a bad or good thing? I don't know. I, I like, I, like I said, I can appreciate both, but... I don't know. Well, this I I, ho- I really hope that this year is the year that somebody kind of sort of breaks the breaks the trend. I don't know if anyone can because quite honestly, Cleveland in the East is coming in as a number two seed. Boston's the one. I'm not a hundred percent sold that the Bulls won't beat them. And I'm saying this. It's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon as I'm doing this. The game's going to be on tonight, so who knows? Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I see the Bulls with more experience. Because you have to remember, Boston's the one seed. They Nobody on their team has really been in the playoffs like that before. I think Dwayne Wade's got more experience than the whole team by himself. And for some reason, Rajon Rondo only can only play well on national television which he'll get a chance to do. So, we'll see. I'm not sure what's going to happen there. But if the Celtics get knocked off, Cleveland's pretty much got a clear shot to the East Finals. And no disrespect to everyone else, I just 
I just don't see anyone else beating them. And then out west, I will say this. Before the season, I had predicted that the Warriors would not return to the finals. Yes, that is in spite. That was after they added Kevin Durant. And the reason I say that is because recently when you see these just all-star super teams starting to form, it normally takes a couple it normally takes at least a year before they're before they're really ready to take the title. Like you remember when LeBron first went to Miami to team up with Wade and Bosch, they lost that first year. They didn't win the finals that first year. Boston in 08 when they had KG when they brought KG and uh Ray Allen to Boston to team up with Paul Pierce, they they were able to pull it off. I remember when Shaq and Kobe added Gary Payton and Carl Malone and that was supposed to be the next big thing. Like, no way they were going to lose. And then they ended up getting dropped by the Pistons easily in the finals. So, I'm not sold. I'm not sold on this. I'm, I know everything points to the contrary, but I'm just saying, I'm not 100% sold. I don't I don't really have a good reason to not be. I just get this feeling that somehow, some way, they're either going to not even make the finals or lose to the Cavs. But we'll see. I could be I could be completely wrong. I'm on record saying it, so we'll see what happens. I'm either going to look like a prophet or an idiot. But the crazy thing is, this whole time we're sitting around talking about teams repeating NBA teams going two or three years all there is some of these some of these cities are so spoiled it leads me to my next point and the main thing I wanted to talk about when is it going to be Charlotte's turn like when are we going to get our one championship we're talking about other we're talking about other teams other cities other franchises getting their third or fourth or whatever the heck when are we getting one like one for the whole city just one professional sports title. Charlotte, as everybody knows, is my hometown. Not born here, but raised and everything else. And I've been I've been watching I've been watching our only two franchises, the Panthers and the Hornets, since I was probably around six or seven years old. And we are and it just and I, I would love nothing more than to see this city get just one professional title. Just one. One one championship for this city. I would just love to see that. I think it would do wonders for us. I think I you watched the Panthers make their run a couple years ago and the energy, just the excitement every weekend with the was just incredible. Even if you weren't even if you're not a fan it was just incredible to see every Sunday was like, you know, it was like an all day like party day because everyone's coming out, everyone's got their Panthers gears on, the team's winning, you know, the media's talking about them. It's a different experience. Sundays are a different experience when your team is a contender. They just are, and it made me wonder, what if this was every year? Like, that's really the first time I've ever seen Charlotte like that. And I have to think, if you live in Dallas or Green Bay 
or some of these other cities. I mean, I don't know. I've never been there, but I'm just saying, like, that could be, this could be every Sunday for us. And, but the team has to win. So, like, even this past year, people still came out and supported, but it just wasn't the same. You know, it kind of became very clear that the Panthers weren't going to be contending, and as soon as you kind of got that vibe, it just went away. Hornets, we've never really had that. Other than right before they were taken away, right before the franchise was temporarily taken away, right before the franchise was taken in New Orleans, you kind of got that vibe we might be there, but Hornets have never really gotten that. So it just leads me to wonder, like, when are we going to get a title? Because the thing you have to remember about Charlotte, and I love my hometown, but we don't get a whole lot of cracks at it. We only got two professional teams. We don't have baseball and we don't have hockey. Now, would people watch baseball and hockey if we were to bring a team down here? I don't know. Y'all tell me. But just to be completely fair, we only have basketball and football. So we don't get but two cracks at it every year. And it's it's hard because it's not like we're not used to success in the Carolinas because our... Our collegiate teams have a rich history. You got UNC, you know, you got UNC and Duke basketball now. Very rich. Even NC State has had some good runs in the 70s and 80s. For football, you got Clem you got Clemson kind of so I know Clemson is South Carolina, but but Clemson has a very very strong following, I feel like, in North Carolina. Like, there's a lot of hardcore Clemson people in North Carolina, so I kind of, you know, consider that. South Carolina is apparently a basketball school now. I mean, they're they're making they're making a run. You know, they've kind of always been really, fairly good at football. So, but the point I'm trying to make is we have, during college basketball and football, well, that's all us. You know, we're like the center, we can be the center of the universe in collegiate sports. So it just it's just crazy how our professional scene for the most part is just so opposite. We don't have like a, a very rich history to build on. So and somebody's gotta break it. I would still like to see that regardless of my affiliation with the Buccaneers. I would like to see the Panthers do that for, for this city and do that for Charlotte. And I mean, historically speaking, they've got a better chance than the Pan- than the Hornets do, because you know you look back, they've been to Hornets aren't the Hornets aren't going to NBA Finals. At least the Panthers, granted, they were really spread out apart, but the Panthers have at least been to the Super Bowl twice. Oh, that O three team was I was convinced, and I watched that I watched them get there the whole way. That O three team was probably the best shot that this that this city has had at bringing a championship here by far to me that was the team of destiny i was i was convinced watching it that they were going to that they were going to win the whole thing they weren't like a overwhelming runaway regular season favorite but uh, i remember the double overtime game winning in double overtime over St. Louis in the in the playoffs. Then I remember them going to the NFC Championship game, going to Philly, winning that low-scoring, tough defensive battle. 
then going to the Super Bowl, being up, looking like we're in a position to win this game. I remember like this city seemed like they were ready to explode. And then we all know what happened after that. But, you know, that was that was it. That was it. And that's the last really big run I remember. And I don't care what y'all say about the 2015 team. I understand they had an incredible regular season. I understand Cam Newton was the MVP. I was not buying it all year. And everybody and everybody clowned me for it. Everybody called me a hater or whatever. I, it's not that I didn't want them to win once I knew the Buccaneers weren't going to do it. It's not that I didn't want them to win. I just had this sinking feeling in the back of my mind. Like, I don't know. Something is going to go wrong. I'm not sure how or why. I just get this feeling that something's going to go wrong. And then I was right. It happened. Like I said, I, that that team, that was a very good team. On paper, that was probably the best team the Panthers have ever put on the field. But I just never got that impression that they were going to, not like in 03, not like I did in 03. 03, I was convinced. And they're not that far removed from it. It's not like they can't get back there. I, and I think this season will be interesting to watch uh, NFL because I think if the Panthers have another year like last year, you'll see some real changes. I think Rivera's on the hot seat this year. I think a few people are going to be losing their jobs if if the Panthers don't go back to the playoffs. You see, the thing is, once you taste, once you come that close, you taste that success. If you're not getting back there and at least coming close to competing for it after that, change has got to be made. So we'll see. This will be a very interesting uh, season for them. And unfortunately, the Hornets are just a completely different story. I mean, you have to go back to 2001, 2002, the last year the Hornets were a franchise in Charlotte before they got moved to New Orleans, before you can look back on a time where, you know, you really thought the, when you really thought that we could contend. There was no LeBron James in the East back then. So the Eastern Conference was wide open. We really did have a shot to go to the finals. We had a great team. We were consistently in the playoffs. We had, in my opinion, the greatest Charlotte Hornet of all time, my man Baron Davis, B. Diddy. I mean, we were, that team was fun to watch. It was exciting. Charlotte Coliseum was packed out every night. Now, this is before Spectrum. This was Charlotte Coliseum off Tybola that I, that I kind of touched on in my in my first episode, in my first podcast episode. They were, it was a small, it was a much smaller, more old school place. But, I mean, it was fun and it was loud, and the team was just fun to watch. David Wesley, Mash, Jamal Mashburn, P.J. Brown. Uh, I mean, man, that was a fun. That was, those were some good years. And then they just took it away. Next thing you know, they're gone. And there was no basketball. And then they came back and gave us the whatever the Bobcats were supposed to be. Hey, I even wonder if that was a damn basketball team some years. And I hate to speak about you know, my own team that way, but I was like legit, I was hurt by that. It was like, it was like dating the love of your life. Like you got the prettiest girl and you're ready to marry her. And then she just breaks up with you out of nowhere. 
and then you can never find another relationship as good as that one. That's what it felt like. The Bobcats were just like, ugh. Like, uh, I'm like, what? Why? What is this? They're just, they were just so bad. And I'm glad we got the Hornets name back because that kind of got our it kind of gave you that identity, that nostalgic feeling a little bit, even though it's still the the Bobcats executives running it. But you know, at least when they brought the Hornets name back, you could kind of wash away those bad memories because my God. I hate to bring this up, but I have to make this point. 2011-2012, we were starting guys named DJ White, Reggie Williams, and Byron Mullins. I mean, who are these people? And we won seven games. Out of 82. Seven. Seven freaking games. And we still didn't get the number one pick that year. Now, mathematically, I understand because it's not based on you can only lose but so many games. If you have the worst record, regardless of whether you won seven games or 20 something games, if you got the worst record, you only get you could have no more than a 25 percent chance. But that year, I felt like there needed to be an exception. Seven games. I mean, we needed help. We ended up with the number two pick, which the number one ended up being none other than Anthony Davis, who is nothing short of a superstar. And who did we get? Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Is that not just like a microcosm of how the Hornets have been since they brought back the Bobcats? Adam Morrison, DJ Augustine, Bismack Biombo, just every year top 10 picks, and we blow it up. My boys, Raymond Felton, Sean May, loved them at Carolina. Didn't work out when they got here, for whatever reason. I just, uh, I just don't get, how do you end up in the lottery every single year and mess it up? Every single year we're in the, we get lottery picks, every single year, and nobody and these guys aren't even with the team. These guys aren't even staying with the team for a long time. Who's the last who's the last Charlotte lottery pick that's still with the team besides Kemba? Who, to his credit, I'll give him second best Charlotte Horner of all time, in my opinion. Already. Already off top. If he stays if he ends up staying with us for the remainder of his career, he might be the greatest Hornet. I'll I might give him the greatest Hornet title. But other than that, is there really anybody else that we've picked? Other than the recent guys like Cody Zeller and Frank Kaminsky, I mean, all those guys from the early 2000s, they're all gone. We just, Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player of all time, but he is far from it as an executive, which has been well documented. I'm not stating any new knowledge there, but my goodness. Uh, Maybe I'm just impatient, but you have to... Because you have to remember, Charlotte is still relatively new to the professional scene as far as professional sports. Hornets weren't even a franchise until the late, late 80s, almost or almost 90s. Same thing with the Panthers. Panthers, Fran- Panthers weren't expanded to the NFL until the early 90s. So, relative to everyone else in all these other cities, Charlotte's a very late to the party. 
we don't have that kind of we don't have that kind of history and it's kind of hard to be you also have to look at charlotte as a whole charlotte as a city has grown a lot and i mean when my family moved here it was the early 90s it is nothing like how it is now it's grown a lot but the problem is we're growing with imports meaning it was a lot of folks moving to charlotte from other cities that's the reason why charlotte's getting bigger so we were we were being awarded franchises because now we have enough people and enough money going around to support it but what happens when a lot of your citizens are from other places do they bring do they start pulling for this new team that they just moved to when they're in their mid 30s and 40s or are they bringing their fanhood and their fan base with them you see what i'm saying so you know we got folks from new york from florida from all over the place and they're pulling for who they used to pull for my parents aren't from here my dad's a very hardcore dallas cowboys fan and that's just that's just the story of a lot of people living in charlotte my guys my age are really the only kind of people that you would see my age and younger are really like the only some of the few hardcore charlotte fans that you'll ever see because guys like me, we don't even remember being anywhere but we we were either born here or you're like me and you don't really you're not really old enough to have been a fan of anyone else. Charlotte doesn't have that history. You're not going to see you go to some of these other cities. You you look at some of these other teams like Green Bay or the Yankees or the Lakers or the Cowboys even, the Steelers. You'll see grandfather You got granddaddy, dad, son, or daughter, you know, whole families, generations of people that have grown up on one team. Like I said, being raised and born a fan of this city and generations of people that are hardcore fans. It's impossible to have that kind of fan base because our Charlotte teams just haven't been around that long. And, uh, and, I mean, there's nothing you can do about that except just give it time. And I really do look forward to that. Because when you have generations of people that have grown up and been hardcore and always supported one team, the atmosphere is just different. Like, I go to Charlotte, I go to bars full of Panthers fans to watch games in my Buccaneers stuff. And, you know, one or two people might say something to you in a fun way, but it's not like, you know, it's it's still all good. I go to I go to Panthers games. I go into the I go into Bank of America Stadium with my Bucks stuff on. And, I mean, you know, a couple people might say something to you, but for the most part, you know, it's it's all good. You go to Philly with New York Giants stuff on thinking it's sweet. You go to you go to Chicago with Green Bay stuff on, and watch what happens. They throw drinks on you if you do that. Like you gotta go. They don't. People don't play that around there. Now, do I want to get a drink thrown on me for going to a Panthers game? No, I'm just saying that's like what you deal with. We don't have that here. We're just not quite at that level. And if you ask people that are from other cities. When they come here, they'll say Charlotte's very Charlotte's very tame when it comes to their fan base. And I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. That's just, that's just how it is. That's just the reality. 
so to answer the original question uh, in the podcast title, when will Charlotte see its first championship? I don't know. I hope it's soon because I look at both of our teams now and I say, well, it's kind of it's kind of hard to say. The NFC South, the now the Panthers have been the most consistent team in the NFC South, but for the most part, our division's very unpredictable. And you know, unfortunately, you still gotta you still gotta deal with the Patriots at the end of the day, even if you do come out of the NFC. You know, can I think the Panthers, like I was saying before, have a better shot? The Hornets, as long as LeBron James is in the NBA. We ain't coming out the East. I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. I I hate to say that, say it like that, but that's just the reality. I mean, Le- LeBron's put the entire Eastern Conference on hold as far as your championship aspirations because nobody can seem to beat them and nobody's going to. Look at the team they got. So, oh well. In the meantime, Charlotte people just stay strong and. Keep the keep hope alive because we'll get there someday. We'll join the ranks of everybody else. In the meantime, all you can do is, you know, put your jersey on on game day and hope for the best. Now, last but not least, I said I would keep it going as a regular thing, and I plan on doing so. This week, the L of the week is going to University of Maryland President Wallace Lowe. Now, since I've done my last podcast, apparently Mr. Lowe felt the need to speak out on University of North Carolina and at Chapel Hill and their academic scandal, in which he said, I would think that this will lead to the death penalty by the NCAA. Now, for those of you that are not familiar with the term, the death penalty, when you speak about the NCAA and college athletics, the death penalty is when the NCAA literally bans you from competing for an entire year or more. I mean, you literally cannot play. You cannot participate. So that's, in other words, it's the worst thing that can possibly happen, as the name implies. Now, Mr. Lowe takes an L on his comments for several reasons. Number one. Right after you said that, one of your spokespeople from Maryland had to come out and say it is not a personal reflection of how he felt when he spoke. If someone has to come out and defend you and tell people that it's not personal, then it's personal. That's number one. Number two, you don't sit on the infractions committee. You don't have any inside information. You're the president at Maryland. You're not in the University of North Carolina. You're not in the UNC system. You have no real information to substantiate your claim, yet you spoke with certainty when you said that UNC would get the death penalty. The thing you also have to keep in mind is the first and last death penalty in the modern era came in 1986 to SMU football under the NCAA's repeated violator rule, meaning... A few decades ago, the NCAA decided to institute a rule basically saying, as a university, if you get in trouble once and we catch you again doing the same thing, then we hit you with the death penalty, which is what happened at SMU. SMU SMU football was already under a three-year probation for, I believe, dirty recruiting. They were paying their recruits. 
and got caught again for the same thing in 86, and that's when the NCAA decided to enforce the death penalty. They're really the only school in the modern era to get the death penalty. So in other words, here's a couple other examples of schools that did not get the death penalty. University of Alabama, football, 2002. 11 major violations, which I believe UNC in their case is only looking at five, so that's double. 11 major violations, including multiple instances of recruits and coaches receiving cash from boosters that were already known to have provided impermissible benefits. Meaning the NCAA had already told Alabama, you got these guys giving your players some stuff that we don't allow, don't do it again, and then they got caught again and did not receive the death penalty. Penn State, Jerry Sandusky, another example, which we already know about. Guys in the locker room touching little boys, nobody felt like saying anything. They did not receive the death penalty, and this had been going on for years. So for Mr. Lowe to say that UNC deserves the death penalty when they are not under any kind of probation, they are not under, they're not in danger of any kind of repeat violation, and, but he's certain that UNC is going to get the death penalty when these other schools did not, and it's really only been handed out in one other instance which, if you look at the facts, SMU's case was a lot worse because they already knew what they did wrong and had been put on notice and still continued to do it. For you to say that, Mr. Lowe, you deserve the L of the week, and you can hold that until next week when I find somebody else. And other than that, that pretty much concludes this week's episode of the Mind of Mike J podcast. I appreciate you guys listening. I'm going to be signing off, and next week I'll be back with uh, a subject that I believe everyone is really going to be interested in, so stay tuned.